And the question I want to ask and answer is this, why do we work? Why do we drag ourselves out of bed every morning instead of living our lives just filled with bouncing from one Ted-like adventure to another? You may be asking yourselves that very question. Now, I know, of course, we have to make a living, but nobody in this room thinks that that's the answer to the question, why do we work? For folks in this room, the work we do is challenging, it's engaging, it's stimulating, it's meaningful, and if we're lucky, it might even be important. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm condensing a book down to its core golden nuggets, saving you just a little bit of time from having to read it yourself. I'm excited, guys. Very, very excited. This week, we're kicking off a brand new era for Cut the Crap Podcast. Now, I told you, when I first started this podcast, I want to continue to evolve it. I want to continue to put a good product in front of you. I want to continue to give you more information, more stimulus, something that's just going to make you smarter. And so I've come up with a way to do that. So as, you know, traditionally how I do it is every single Monday I break down a uh, a book and I condense it for you in the form of golden nuggets. What I decided to do was now add a different element to it. Every single Wednesday what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to contact the author. Well, I've already contacted the author. I'm going to feature an interview with the author themselves. Now, why do I want to do that? I want to do that because I think it adds another element to the podcast. I feel like maybe I rob you a little bit of some of the content from the book. Now, first and foremost, I got to tell you guys, I'm not trying to tell you guys not to get the book. Get the book. If you're interested in it, then absolutely pick it up, read it, obsess about it, because you don't know which book I'm going to bring to you that could change your life. One of these books could have information in it that changes your life. You can almost guarantee it. There's a book out there that's going to change your life. I found many books that have changed my life, my career, how I act, how I speak, how I sell, how I market, how I create new products, new services, how I develop strategies, how I treat people. There's all kinds of books out there that can tell you how to change your life for the better. And so for me, what I want to do is I want to bring the author to you because I can have a different dialogue with them. I can get new information from them. And because of that, I think I'm going to create a better product and I'm going to bring something that's more interesting to you. So every single Monday, I'm going to have the same summaries, but on Wednesday, I'm going to have the author on the show and we're going to have a nice dialogue. And again, we're going to keep the podcast from the same type of timeline, about 20 to 20, 25, 30 minutes max. I don't want to go too overboard on that. I want to keep it fairly condensed that you guys have uh, an episode to listen on your commute or while you're at the gym or uh, whatever it is. In any case, I'm really excited about it. So once I roll it out, I'm really interested in hearing about what you guys think about the new edition, bringing the authors on. Um, Let me know what you guys think before you even hear about it. Do you like the idea? Do you not like the idea? Hit me up on email, ryan.calajuri at me.com. Feel free to email me through the the, um, cutthecrappodcast.com website. Also connect with me on LinkedIn, either personally or on the Cut the Crap Podcast page. Same thing on Facebook, same thing on Twitter. I'm all over the place, you guys. But let me know what you guys think. Because again, I am in service to you. You, the listener out there. You, you're listening to it right now. I'm in service to you. So let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Tell me how I can improve. Because again, I'm doing this for you guys. But in any case, enough jibber jabber. Let's crack right into this one. Today we're talking about the book, Why We Work by Barry Schwartz. Now, Why We Work, it looks at the purpose of work in our lives by examining how different people view their work. Some people get very motivated by their work and they love their job. Other people 
just another day, another dollar. doesn't mean that much to them. They don't care about their job. Why is that? Why is it that some workplaces really motivate their employees to want to contribute more? Why is it that others just demotivate their employees and their employees just are completely disengaged? Well, Why We Work looks at some of those elements. Now, I was first introduced to Barry Schwartz by watching one of his TED Talks online, and i got to encourage you guys to go look at it as well. Um, Just go to TED.com and look up The Way We Think About Work is Broken. It's a really short video. I recommend you guys go look at it. It's about eight minutes long. He did this about three years ago, and it accompanies the book very nicely. The book is also a very short book, very short read, but very impactful as well. So without further ado, let's crack right into this one, Why We Work by Barry Schwartz. Golden nugget number one, is your work more of a job, a career, or a calling? Now, I like the differentiation between the three types of work, job, career, calling, because they're all so different. You know, if you're working a job, essentially, again, J-O-B, just over broke. You know, it's an old joke. A job is just a way to make money. You show up, you do what you're told, you get paid, you go home, you get some rest, you wake up the next morning, and you do your job again. To me, that's not very motivating. You know, that's not a calling. It's not a career. It's just something I do to pay the bills, essentially. And I don't like that. I don't like that. It's not for me. I couldn't go through life with just a job. There's nothing satisfying about it. There's nothing that gets me up in the morning. Hell, I'd have a tough time waking up in the morning going to a job. I just would. I can't do it. But you know what? That's just me. Maybe some people just like the fact they have a job. Maybe they're getting paid just enough money to be comfortable, and that's what they want out of life. And hey, if that's what you want out of life awesome, then that's good for you. But maybe it's not good for everybody else. And if you're in a job and you don't like it, then maybe you have to look at maybe a career. So what's a career? If your work is a career, you know, you have things that you want to accomplish. You have goals. You want to grow. You want to make progress. You want to get better at what it is you're doing. You want to take on more responsibility. You want to move up in the corporate ladder. That's what motivates you to keep at your best, to put your best foot forward. You want to get training. You want to get better at what it is you do. Maybe you start off as a coordinator and you want to become a manager, a director. Maybe you want to become a C-level executive. That's a career. You want to move up. I like that because it has progress in it. And anything with progress, to me, is a good thing. It gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something to work to. It gives you something to drive for. And in my opinion, my opinion, I think you need that. To avoid things like depression. That kind of thing is very serious. Very serious. I've seen a lot of my friends and um, uh, some colleagues of mine who just, they didn't have anything to progress for. They didn't have anything to drive for. Because of that, they just got bored and depressed and apathetic. And they all just kind of turned into this big, ugly ball that just culminated in them being very unsatisfied with work and disengaged. And that just bled into their health. They stopped working out. It bled into their family. They stopped caring. Just a sad state of affairs. And so if your work is a job and you're unhappy, then maybe you need a career. You need something to drive for. Now, let's say you're in a career, but yet you feel it's hollow. You're like, well, I'm moving up in the corporate ladder, but what am I actually doing here? What am I doing for the greater good? What am I doing to make a mark on the world? If that's you, then you're looking for a calling. And a calling is you know exactly how your work creates positive change in the world, how it creates positive change in the lives of others. You know, it's not just a piece of your life. It's an essential part of your life. And that essential part of your life, that calling, it makes you happy because you know that you're doing the right thing. And you know that what you're doing is something that's going to help the greater good. Now, in the book, an American psychologist, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm going to butcher it, but it's Amy 
Wurzinsnuski. Oh, I butchered it. I apologize to her. But uh, she's an American psychologist, and her team conducted interviews and studies with people across a, a variety of different fields in order to find out what made their work a calling and not just a job. And so what did they find? They found that hospital custodians, they cited interactions with patients as the most fulfilling aspect of their work. They found that administrative assistants, they felt extremely satisfied when they were supporting their boss, supporting a department by providing help for tomorrow's leaders. And so in those two cases, what do they have in common? They felt their work was a calling when they were seeing the positive changes that their work made in the lives of other people. Now that's the key. Are you creating change in the lives of people? Are you creating positive change in the lives of people? If you are, then you might be leaning more towards a calling. I don't know about you, but in your life, if you're working a job and you're not happy, then maybe you have to look at getting yourself up to a career. And if you're in a career and you're feeling hollow, then maybe you have to look at what you're doing um, that's helping to create change in the world. And if you can't find that, then maybe you have to find something that's going to be a calling for you. But in the end, those people who are the most satisfied are those people who feel like they're contributing to the greater good, a calling. And I find that pretty insightful. If you're not there, then maybe you got to get there. But hey, if you're happy with where you're at, if you're happy with a job, if you're happy with a career, if you're happy in your calling, whatever it is you are, then that's important. That is the most important thing. Golden nugget number two, the importance of autonomy, investment, and a mission. Now, I'll tell you right now, if you're an employer and you don't have those three things in place, chances are you have disengaged employees. And if you're an employee and you're going to work right now or you're at work right now or you just left work and you don't have and you feel disengaged, you feel like, ah, I don't know if I really want to go in, chances are you don't have those three things as well. For great companies, great workplaces, you know, the best workplaces in the world to work for, they have all three of those. So what are they? Autonomy. Autonomy is all about giving people the power and control to make decisions for themselves. It instills trust. It helps them commit to the company. It allows them to take ownership of something. And because of that, they feel a sense of respect for their coworkers and their managers that put trust in them. Autonomy is something that instills pride in employees. It gives them an opportunity to be proud of what they do. And I'm telling you right now, if you give employees autonomy and you give them something they can be proud of, something they can hang their hat on, I'm telling you, there's nothing that's more motivating than that. It's incredibly powerful and you have to put that in place. But the problem is a lot of employers maybe don't trust their people. You know, maybe their people make mistakes. So I can't give them the responsibility. They're just going to make mistakes and they're going to make me look foolish. Okay, let's be honest here. Everybody makes mistakes. People are going to make mistakes. But you have to trust them enough to give them the responsibility to do that. And you have to trust them enough to make mistakes. And you have to be flexible enough to make mistakes. And then I'm telling you, if the corporate culture does not support that, get the hell out of there. What are you doing in there? It might pay a good paycheck, but I'm telling you right now, you can find a better paycheck elsewhere. Don't waste your time with an employer who does not trust you, who does not allow you to make mistakes. I've been there before. I've been there and it's crappy. It's really, really crappy. And guess what? I left. I was getting paid a lot of money, but guess what? It wasn't worth it. That client was not worth it. They didn't want to take risks. They didn't want to make mistakes. They didn't want to look stupid. They didn't want to put too much responsibility on anybody. They always want to do it themselves. And hey, let's just not rock the boat too much. Screw that. Don't have time for that. It was kind of going on a little bit of a rant here, but autonomy. It's all about giving people control, giving them power to make their decisions on their own and giving them something to own in the company. It's incredibly important to have autonomy. 
Next, investment. Now, in Daniel Pink's book, Drive, he focused on, um, you know, MAP, Mastery, Autonomy, Purpose. This is all about mastery here. People should feel like their role is important to the organization, that they're needed there. And by helping them feel like they're needed, give them something to own. Give them something that's, that's important to the organization. That's autonomy again. But as well, you have to invest in them. Invest in their skills. Send them to conferences. Give them training opportunities. Send them to seminars. Help them get better at what they're doing. Invest in your employees. I remember a quote. I was reading this a long, long time ago, and I'm sure many of you listening to this remember this quote. The quote goes something like, a manager's talking to another manager and they say, well, if I invest in my employees and they leave, what's going to happen? All that investment is just going to be thrown out the window. The other manager says, yeah, but what if you don't invest in them? That's exactly it. What if you don't invest in people? Then what do you have? You just have a bunch of people with stale skills. Now you have to invest in your people. And a part of investing in your people, what that does is the employee looks at it and say, wow, they're really taking an interest in me. They really want me to get better. And because of that, that's a benefit to me. I want to be here because I'm getting smarter. I'm getting better at what I do. The reality is you can't control people. You can't make people stay in the organization. People are going to come. People are going to go. But you have to invest in your people to improve employee engagement. And finally, a mission. Now, your company's mission, it has to be clear to every single employee. Do you have a mission in place? Does that mission make sense? Does that mission resonate with your employee base? Can your employee base recite that mission? That's important. It's so important. The power of a single sentence to rally people, to motivate people when things are down. You know, when they're disengaged or when times are tough, you need something to point back to, to say, this is why I'm doing it. This is why I'm going through the tough times. This is why I'm slagging through the mud. And damn it, I'm going to do it because this is my mission. This is the mission that we're on. Powerful mission statements. Don't just overlook them. So many people just overlook it as, you know, you know, let's put them up. Everyone's going to look at them. Everyone's going to read them. Everyone's going to love them. Perfect. Get it done. No, it's got to inspire people. If you don't have a mission that inspires people, then you're missing out on a huge opportunity to really engage your workforce and energize your workforce. And the sad thing here is when companies go through tough times, they make cuts to all these areas. They stop focusing on the importance of their mission. They stop investing in their employees. They stop allowing their employees to own projects and let them run with things. It's all buckling down and we're going to get serious. And that's when you start losing people. It's when work stops being fun. It's when it stops becoming a calling. It just becomes just going in to get paid. It becomes a J-O-B. That's a very sad state, and I hope that nobody goes through that. If you have gone through it, then you got the battle scars. I got the battle scars, and I'm sure a lot of you do as well. But if you're in that position right now, again, what's holding you there? Start looking elsewhere. Life is too short to be wasting it with a company that's not giving you those three things. Autonomy, investment, and a mission. And last but not least, golden nugget number three. Raises have very little impact on our motivation. That's a tough one. In the book, they say that more money, it's a bad thing. You know, you're not going to motivate people by giving them more money. And I, I guess I agree with that to an extent. If you motivate people with more money, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do better. That just means they're going to make more money. And so from an employee perspective, if you're making more money in a really bad culture, that's really crappy because that holds you there and you feel like you're stuck there. And I've seen a lot of people, good people in organizations where I look at them in the eyes and they're just dead in the eyes because they're like, I'm stuck here. 
and I'm getting good pension here. I'm getting good pay and I can't get this kind of money anywhere else in the marketplace. I'm stuck. It's a crappy place to be. And it's a great way for employers to ensure their to uh, control their employee base. But in the end, if you're working for the money, I'm going to say maybe you're not working towards having a calling. If you're in it just for the money, then maybe you're just career focused or maybe you're just job focused and you're not really exploring the possibilities of what a calling could do for you. There's an interesting story that um there's an interesting story in the book that uh, Schwartz talks about and um it's a child's daycare in Israel. And the parents um, who dropped off their children, they would show up super late picking up their kids. And, you know, they had the daycare had a 4 p.m. rule and nobody ever stuck to that. And people always came late. And so every week they had an average of eight late pickups per daycare on average. It's quite a lot. And so what the supervisors of the daycare decided to do was they figured, hey, you know what? If we put a penalty in place, maybe this is going to discourage people from being late. So everyone's like, yeah, it's a great idea. Why not put it in place? So they did that. And so for parents who were more than 10 minutes late, they would have an extra $3 um, per child added onto their bill. And this added onto their bill, which they already paid, which was about $380 a month. And what do you think happened? You think because they put that fee on there, obviously people would be like, well, pff, I don't want to pay more money. The reality was that's not what happened. Late pickups more than doubled, shooting to 20 late pickups per week. It was at 8 before. Now it's at 20. Now why is that? There's two reasons. The first reason, the fine wasn't high enough. People didn't care about less than a 1% increase on their monthly bills. They're like, whatever. What is 3 bucks? It means nothing to me. The second reason, instead of feeling like, you know, oh, I'm a bad parent or, you know, I really should be, be showing up on time... They justified it by saying, hey, I can just buy my way out of this guilt by showing up late. It's fine. Hey, I'll just pay the fee. It's not a big deal. And so because people felt like they could just pay a fee to get out of it, they were like, well, whatever. Not a big deal. I don't feel guilty about it anymore. So why am I telling you that story? And why did Barry include that story in the book? Well, the reason he included it in the book is because money is not a motivator. It's just not. And with this little experiment here with the daycare, it proved that money wasn't a motivator. And so if you're listening right now, you might say, well, I mean, you know, the $3 wasn't a big thing. But if you charge people $50, well, that might deter people. Yes, that's true. But I'm telling you right now, a lot of raises that you're getting aren't that big. You're not making an extra $20,000 every year. But I'm telling you right now, if you're getting a raise every single year and that raise is forcing you to stay in an organization or you have to deal with really... You know, crappy colleagues, you're dealing with office politics, you're going into the office dreading the day, you leave the office, you're so excited. You know, you love Thursdays because it gives you something to look forward to, because Friday, everyone looks forward to Friday. You love Saturday, but you hate Sunday because you got to go back the next day. You know, if that's you and you hate the work that you do, get the hell out of there. It doesn't matter how much money you're getting paid. You have one life to live, only one life, and don't waste it in a workplace that doesn't respect you and that doesn't fulfill you. Get out there. Find a calling for yourself. That's exactly what you have to do. I'm kind of being a little bit passionate about this because in my mind, I'm thinking about two or three people who are listening to this, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they're listening today and that uh, they're taking this to heart. Because I'm talking to you right now, and I know that you're listening. And you're not in a place where there's a calling and there, you're not going to get to a calling there. You're in a job right now. And this job, it's not going to set you free. And how crappy is life 
when it's affected your health, it's affected your family. What's happening at work right now is impacting everything that you're doing. And it's making your life, the one life you have to live, miserable, crappy. And it's just not worth it. You know, that's that one thing that you always got to come to grips with. You got one life to live. Don't waste it doing stuff you don't love, you guys. You know, Barry Schwartz has a quote in the book that I love, and I'll finish up on this one. And he says that 90% of adults, 90% of adults spend half of their waking lives doing things they would rather not be doing at places they would rather not be. That is a sad state of affairs. And I'm telling you right now, if you're in that position, you got to change it up. One life to live, guys. Do it on your own terms and do it in a culture, in a workplace where you feel fulfilled. Find your calling. Explore that calling. If you have a job, look for a career. If you're in a career, look for a calling. It's going to make your life that much better. All right, my friends, there we have it. That's Why We Work by Barry Schwartz. I really enjoyed this one. It forced me to take a deep look into my own career. You know, what am I doing? Is this a job? Is this a career? Is this a calling? You know, what am I doing? You know, personally, I feel I'm exactly where I need to be in life. And this is my calling. You know, everything that I do to me is a calling. This podcast is a calling, man. Like, I love doing this to me. This to me is me connecting with other people. Me sharing knowledge with the people. Me collaborating with people. And this makes me happy. And if it makes me happy, then I'm going to keep doing it. You know, are you feeling those same type of emotions? If you're not, then maybe you have to look and explore and look inside and find where you can possibly find that calling in life. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's just exploration. It's trial and error. You're going to hit some walls. It's not going to work out. But that's the process of life. It's discovery. I've gone through my fair share of crappy times. And because of those crappy times, I now have perspective. And because of that perspective, I know that I feel blessed now. I know that what I have right now um, is really good. And where I'm at right now is a calling because I've been to the crappy times. So if you're in the crappy times, know that they get better. But they only get better if you know where you want to go. And that means you got to find your calling, you guys. So if you guys like this book, then please go out and support Barry. Pick up the book. If you guys like this episode, then please support me. Go on to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. It means a great deal to me. If you guys want more information about the book, then absolutely tune in on Wednesday as we got the new feature of Cut the Crap Podcast where I talk to the author, Barry Schwartz himself, about the book. He goes into detail, shares some stories with us. He shares some anecdotes with us, and I really think that uh, it's going to provide a different perspective, a perspective that I didn't bring to the table, and a perspective that the expert himself brings to the table. So definitely tune in on Wednesday, you guys. It's a great new feature, and I can't wait for you guys to check it out. Let me know what you guys think. Of course, email me, message me on social media. I want to hear from you guys. But until then, I will catch you back here on Wednesday when I have the interview with Barry Schwartz. Until then, my friends, have a fantastic day. I love you guys. I made the decision, it's the most important decision I believe of your life, that I'm not going to suffer anymore. Life's too short to suffer and I'm going to live in a beautiful state every day. And the way I do it is, I catch myself when I start to get that sense of stress, I let it go, and I see the idea go by. So your thoughts, thoughts about this person messing up your business or not following through. If I was in a room with 10,000 people, I guarantee you 60, 70% of the business owners have the same thoughts at times, right? right? Yeah. 
I ask people all the time, tell me your most stressful thought. Oh, I'm worried about my children. This may happen. How many of you have had that thought? Everybody. Yeah. Uh, I might not make it financially. Blah, blah, blah. How many of you have had that? Everybody. My point is, it's not your thought. It's the mind, not your mind. When you think it's your mind, you identify with it and it's, you can't separate from yourself. Right. But when you realize these thoughts have been around for millions of years and I'm just thinking the same thought that so many people thought before, like how many people have ever thought, I'm gonna kill this son of a bitch? Now you didn't do it, because you, <laughs> you didn't believe it. you're really gonna kill them, but you felt it, you said it, you were there, right? So we all have thoughts. It's only the stressful thoughts we believe that mess us up. So what I try to show people is, if you can start to realize these thoughts have been around for millions of years. So what I want you to realize is thoughts are invisible waves. When you turn on TV, it takes invisible waves, and depending on the channel, you're gonna see a love story, or an adventure, or a drama, or a comedy, or, or a horror. The way you use your body determines which of those thought waves come through you. Mm. One moment you're pissed off, the next moment somebody makes you laugh, you change your body, you change the channel, you change what comes through you. So what I've tried to do in this area of beautiful state is simple. Yeah. First, identify where you're suffering, what's your favorite flavor? Are you a worrier? Are you a pissed off person? Stressed, angry. What is it you do? Yeah. Second of all, decide you're gonna kill that monster while it's little. You're not gonna wait till it's Godzilla taking the city. You're gonna break the pattern. You start to feel the stress. You see it as thoughts going by, and then you focus on something to appreciate, enjoy, or love. Appreciation, love, and joy destroy suffering. You can't be grateful and angry simultaneously. It's possible. You can't be worried and fearful and, and grateful simultaneously. So I tell people gratitude is one of the emotions to cultivate that will destroy the suffering. Yeah. And that's what we teach people to do.